This is Brandon M. Crooker, and you're listening to the Apostolic Theory Podcast. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Pentecostal Periodical Magazine, a 501c3 ministry with writers who believe and live apostolic doctrine. A few writers include Kelly Nix, Scott Phillips, Samantha Thrash, Neil Purcell, Larry Chocklin, Jeff Arnold, and more. You can subscribe at www.pentecostalperiodical.com. If you would like to join our writing team or would like to make a donation, email us at info at pentecostalperiodical.com. Today we've got a very special guest with us. We've got Brother Michael McCormick. I'm very excited about this episode. I think it is a needful subject, um, not only for new converts, but I believe lifelong Christians. So, uh, uh, Brother McCormick, why don't you just tell our listeners a bit about yourself? Well, first of all, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate the invite. And... Uh, Basically about me, let's see, um, I was called into the ministry, called to preach, really, um, at about age 16, <coughs> excuse me, and um, not long after that, maybe a few years after that, uh, you know, I then was called to become a pastor at about 22 years old. Um, it turns out that I'm actually a, a fourth pe- uh, generation apostolic. My parents, my grandparents, and my great-grandmother uh, were apostolic Pentecostals, which is a blessing. Um, but after I, I got called to the pastorate, it took a few years, and I began, we began our first church that we pastored for over 10 years. And uh, we, we moved from that ministry, and, and we started the ministry we're in right now, which we've been here for about seven years, uh, a little more than seven years. Um, I, you know, I'm just excited that God has opened up the doors and made ways for us. Currently, uh, I am enrolled at Urshan College. Just started this past uh, semester. I'm excited about that. And since starting this new church in uh, 2014, the Lord has opened the doors for me to um, be a part of the North American North American Missions. Uh, Georgia Department. I've been on that board for a few years. And earlier this year, I was able to be to, to, to receive my license of ordination in the United Pentecostal Church International. Um, right after that, they appointed me as the Building the Bridge Coordinator for the state of Georgia. So God has been doing some great things. Um, I'm excited about the future, about what God has you know, prepared for not just myself, but my family and our church. And, uh, you know, I passed a light point in that Pentecostal church, and we're doing a, we're trying to do a great work, or we believe we're doing a great work, rather, in the city of Snellville, Georgia. So God is good. We're excited. Amen. And I'm just ready to go forth and do what God's called me to do. That's awesome, brother. I'm very, I, I'm excited for you. Um, I actually had no idea that you were on, on, uh, on the board of building the bridge. I heard actually about building the bridge conference. I want to say two years ago. 
Um, and that was a tremendous conference. I was like, wow, this is, this is, this is Holy Ghost inspired. This is good stuff. This is, and, and so that, that's, that's incredible. Um, I had no idea, but, uh, God just has a way of making those connections. So praise God. Uh, so the, the director is actually, uh, here in Georgia as well. So, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Give him my contact information. We'll get him on the podcast too. <laughs> praise God. <laughs> Well, uh, without further ado, why don't we just, I'll just have you get in right into what you've prepared, um, and, and we'll just see where the Lord leads. Okay. Well, praise the Lord. Um, with this particular topic, breaking uh, the cycle, you know, as I was praying and seeking the face of God about it, uh, the Lord brought to my mind this particular passage of Scripture found in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8, verses 1, 2, and 3. And I want to read that, and then we'll discuss it a little bit. It says in Deuteronomy, chapter 8, verses 1, 2, and 3, verse 1, it says, All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do, that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness. And this is key here, to humble thee and to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldst keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. And it's interesting in verse 2 and 3 that God basically says, I led you through the 40 years of wilderness, and here's the reason, to humble you, to prove you, to know what was in your heart, whether or not you were going to obey my commandments. And then he goes on to say, and during the process, I humbled you, I even allowed you to, to, to get hungry so that, I could, so that I could feed you with manna. Um, the purpose being that you might know that man does not live by bread alone, but by what God provides. And so as I was thinking, I recognized that it seems like everything is cyclical, everything, whether it's the year's seasons, uh, a caterpillar's metamorphosis, a woman's body, a series of unfortunate circumstances or our spiritual journey, uh, I have discovered that cycles can either be positive, negative, or both. Um, typically, when we talk about breaking cycles, it's implied that this is something that needs to come to a halt. Mm. You want to break the cycles because the cycle is something that is uh, something you want to get off of, something you want to stop happening in your life. So let's look at unfortunate circumstances first. Um, many people, I believe, struggle with some issues, both outside and within the church. You know, um, even when you get saved, even when you repent of your sins and get baptized and water in Jesus' name and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, that does not necessarily negate you or exempt you, rather, from experiencing hardship. In fact, in many cases, uh, the enemy comes after you even more, you know, with more determination. Yeah. And you begin to face even more things. 
But generally speaking, some people struggle with addictions such as drugs or alcohol, smoking, um, illicit behavior, and even eating disorders. And then there are emotional and mental issues such as low self-esteem, depression, being bipolar, and of course the list goes on and on. Uh, often people who have a hard time struggling with certain circumstances find themselves in a cycle. They may do well for a short amount of time, but eventually, if the source of the matter has not been dealt with, they'll find themselves right back where they started. And it's a cycle. It becomes uh, uh, repetitious. It becomes something we do habitual, something we do whether we want to or not. Oftentimes, we want to break the cycle. We want to stop doing what we're doing, but we're drawn back to it. Uh, We can't seem to get away from it. And this means, for example, maybe someone drinks after having a terrible day. You know, they they haven't drank anything or any alcohol for months, and all of a sudden they had a terrible day, and they decide to give in. Or it could be swinging by that person's house late at night because they feel lonely. Um, Or even gorging themselves with junk food because they're depressed. There is an array of reasons, you know, as to why people uh, will go back into a situation that they know is detrimental to their health, whether it be physical or emotional. Uh, But unfortunately we, we, we tend to go back there and, and even we as saints, you know, we have issues that we continually go back to much like the children of Israel, um, not just during the 40 years of wilderness traveling, but, but throughout the entire Bible, um, particularly the old Testament, we find, that Israel continues to go back into the cycle of worshiping idols, of forgetting God, of, of uh, you know, not doing what they're called to do. Yeah. Now, aside from this, some may find themselves in a cycle of bad relationships because of previous experiences that led them down the wrong path. And, of course, these are things that people contend with, in most cases, pre-salvation. A lot of the things I just mentioned typically are things that we dealt with before we got saved. Um, hopefully, you know, the person who's received the Holy Ghost and, and is going to church regularly, um, they may still be tempted to these things, but hopefully they, they're, over, they're, they're overcoming more than giving into it. But that's not to say that Christians don't struggle. Uh, you know, we, we still struggle. I've known Christians who got saved and they still struggled with, with smoking, um, you know, months and even sometimes a year or two later or longer. Um, sometimes it's just, you know, Jesus talks about the, the seeds that were planted. And in some cases, the seed fell on, on thorny ground and, uh, that word was there, but as, as they grew, uh, you know, the cares of this world strangled them or the seed was in, was in ground that wasn't deep and it wasn't really, um, it was shallow ground and they didn't get a chance to really, uh, get deep in the word. And so there's a number of reasons why we may find ourselves in these situations, but, but typically these are elements of the natural man, you know, uh, maybe even the carnal man. Uh, but in, in contrast, when we discuss the issues people have within the parameters of Christianity, we recognize that some of the problems we deal with are God ordained. Mm. And I, I want to focus on that a little bit, that some of the problems we deal with are actually God ordained. Wow. As I was reading that scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 8, uh, it dawned on me that, that God led them. It says he led them 
these 40 years through the wilderness, which means he, he actually took them by the hand, if you will, and led them through that 40 years, that cycle, that cyclical uh, experience, that wandering, that walking round and round and round and, and, and ups and downs and, uh, and all the things that they went through. He actually led them through it. He led them to it in order to lead them through it. And so a lot of the things we experience really are God-ordained. As we read in our scripture text, God, again, led Israel through the wilderness and confronted them with their pride, their arrogance, their selfishness, their greed, uh, the bias they had toward others and each other. Um, and, And so what I've learned is that as Christians, as apostolic Pentecostals, you know, we are still experiencing the hardships, uh, uh, the harsh reality of our flesh. It, it would be wonderful if the Lord, when he saved us, just kind of took us out of the flesh, if you will, and put us into a perfect situation. But he left us in this body of flesh. He left us in this world to make an impact and to be a light to those around us who are still in darkness. That being the case, we have to contend and deal with our own issues, our own unresolved issues, you know, the things that we dealt with as children, the things that we're dealing with on our jobs, in our schools, in our own families, in our homes, with our own spouses. And we have to learn to to, uh, manage ourselves while at the same time um, trying to be a a Christian and and Christ-like. So, you know, the Lord said that in, in our scripture text, that one purpose of the wilderness experience was to humble them, was to prove them, and to know what was in their hearts. And so, again, I, I recognize being saved, you know, for the few years that I've been saved, I have discovered that oftentimes God will, will test your faith and test your commitment to him. And he often does that by putting you in a wilderness experience. Mm. And so we're going through the cycle, if you will. Uh, sometimes the cycle is God-ordained. Sometimes the cycle is, is of our own doing. But nonetheless, we are experiencing this, uh, the, these things that we're dealing with, the, 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 the pain of our past, the, the fear of our future. And, and we have to learn that God is trying to teach us something. He, he even allowed them to get hungry as the scripture says, so we yeah. can feed them and prove to them that he was their source. And, you know, uh, I think it was Andre Crouch who, who once wrote, he's, if I'm not mistaken, he said, um, uh, how will I know, you know, he, he, could, he could deliver me or how, how, how would I know that he could solve my problems if I never had a problem? Yeah, yep. And so we have to have problems in order for God to deliver us from them. And I heard one preacher say, that in order for him to manifest himself to us, he has to, he must place us in situations like the three Hebrew boys in the fiery furnace or Daniel in the lion's den or Joseph in the pit. We have to go through those things so that we can gain experience uh, and know that God is able to deliver. And once we know that God can deliver, there's a scripture that says, um, and I'm paraphrasing here, that says he, uh, does deliver, he delivers, and he hath or he will deliver. The implication there is that he has delivered in your past, 
he would deliver you right now and he's going to, to deliver you in your future. But you can only have that kind of faith if you've been through something and experienced God, uh, God's deliverance, delivering power from that situation. So contrary to what some might believe, the desert journey actually has a point to it. Mm. There's a point to the wandering. There's a point to the cycle. As Shakespeare once wrote, uh, he said, though this is madness, yet there is method in it. And of course, we paraphrase it now. There's, there's a method to the madness. And I'd like to say that, honestly, with the wandering and the, 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 the cycles and the issues that we face and experience, there's a method to the madness. We don't always ex- understand what God is trying to do and what God is planning to do in our lives. But if we're willing to go through the process, um, God will reveal to us eventually why we're going through what we're going through. So Israel went round and round in circles until they learned the lesson that God was teaching them. Um, I believe that one way to break the cycle, and, and let's get to the to the title and to the to the meat of this of this of this talk here, one way to break the cycle that one finds themselves in is to understand what you can from what you're going through. Once you understand what you're going through and understand why you're going through it, it makes the journey a little easier to, to swallow. You have to go through it, but at least you have a better understanding of why I'm going through it. Uh, it's teaching me. It's encouraging me. It's building me up. It's toughening me. It's helping me to uh, know how to deal with circumstances so that when someone else who may not be in the church is going through something, we have a word for them. It's really all about ministry, you know, and and most people don't recognize that. I, I suspect most people don't think of it that way, but it really is all about ministry, helping God, helping you to help others. I, I believe that we must take the time to pray about the issue we're struggling with. That's key. You know, uh, in, in church, most a lot of times in our prayer meetings, you know, we... We focus on, you know, praying for the church, praying for growth, and that's, of course, you know, needed. Uh, we pray for those who are sick. All of that is needed. But there comes a time when you have to pray about certain issues that you're going through that no one else may, may know about. Uh, it's funny because I think it was yesterday during Sunday school, uh, I mentioned, you know, that when we had prayer, whether it be prayer in the mornings, I think we had at our church, we have a, you know, Zoom prayer, and and we, we call in and the prayer, and the prayer team prays. And I, I mentioned to the folks at church, I said, you know, oftentimes when I'm praying with you guys, uh, I'm I'm doing a very generic type prayer, because if I really prayed what I'm supposed to be praying about you, the things I know about you, or the things that God is revealing to me about you, you get mad, <laughs> because. You know, a lot of times we really don't pray about the actual issues we're going through. The the fact that we have pride, the fact that we, you know, don't like this person, the fact that, you know, we, we're, we're jealous or, you know, or whatever the case may be, we don't always pray about that. We pray about other issues and we kind of dance around the issue, but we don't really pray about it. And so if people really heard the kind of prayer that pastors pray over them, you know, behind closed doors, they might get mad that the pastor's praying, you know, Lord, you know, let your will be done in their life. 
God, help them to, you know, step down from this spirit of pride. Lord, I, I, I see it in their, in their, I see what's going on in their flesh. Or, Lord, you're revealing this to me, and I'm, I'm praying against this situation. I pray that you don't allow them to get that job. I pray that you don't allow them to marry that person. Folks would get mad if they knew what pastors and, and Christians are really praying about uh, in regard to helping you, you know, survive. Yeah. But, but the Bible says in the book of Philippians, chapter 4 and verse 6, it says, uh, be careful for nothing. Which mean, and, and that really means don't be anxious, don't worry. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And so one of the ways we break the cycle is really through prayer. Asking God to break this cycle for us. Asking God to give us understanding. Help us to see where our issues are so that we can start praying against it. It's funny, when people, when people come to me and say, Pastor, you know, um, I, I need you to pray for me to have patience or uh, I, I, need, I, need, I need stronger faith. I think it was the disciples who asked the Lord, they said, Lord, teach us to pray, for example. Mm. Uh, there was another gentleman who said, Lord, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. And whenever you pray prayers like that, what people don't get is that God is going to put you in a position where he's going to force you, if you, for example, if you need patience, he's going to place you in positions and situations where you're forced to either wait or give in. And oftentimes, that's how God answers your prayer, by placing you in a problem <laughs> and seeing how you work with it. Right. And when you, when you, when you, when you work through that problem, you, you, you've actually learned the lesson that God has been trying to teach you all along, and it helps you to get to the next level in Christ. Amen. Now, when we don't know exactly what to pray about, uh, we're encouraged to trust that his spirit does know. Even if you don't know, the Holy Ghost knows. And, and that's why the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 26, it says, likewise, the spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And, you know, not to get too deep or anything into this, not to get too spiritual or anything, but uh, I've experienced times in, in my own prayer life where I'm praying and, and uh, whether it's at, you know, church or at my home and I'm praying and, and I'm kind of breaking into uh, uh, another level, if you will, where, you know, the spirit is really moving and, and you start to groan in the spirit. You start to, you start you, you don't know exactly what you're saying. You don't know exactly what you're praying about, but you know it's something that is necessary. Right. And you can almost feel the, the things that you've been contending with. You can almost feel as though God is working on it, like he's, as if he's operating on you. And that's the work of the Spirit, that when you pray to that point where God can begin to operate on you, you may not know what he's doing. You know, maybe you're on the hospital bed and, you're kind of in and out. You don't know what they're doing, but you know, whatever they're doing is working for you. So doing this, you know, prayer may very well um, help someone find the answer to breaking the cycle that they're in. Uh, you know, the, the, the Acts 238 message doesn't only save us spiritually. That's the most important thing, obviously, but it also helps us to manage our natural lives. I think sometimes we forget that you know, we're spiritual beings living in a natural body. 
And so we have a natural body. We have physical concerns and extenuating circumstances that we deal with from time to time. Notice what, what, what Peter said uh, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 40. It says, and with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. We don't know for sure what Peter said. You know, in verse 40, it just says he kept on preaching. He said a lot more things other than what we read uh, through, you know, up, up to 39. He said a lot more things. Maybe Peter discussed other elements revolving around salvation that would be helpful in one's natural life. I don't know. I don't know. It, but it's evident to me that God wanted to deliver Israel from slavery. He wanted to deliver Israel from wandering in the desert. He wanted to deliver them from their main enemies. And uh, as I close, I, I truly believe that his desire has not changed. I, I think he also wants to break us out of the negative cycles we find ourselves in. Um, and, and the main way to do that really is through prayer and asking God to help us understand what's going on within ourselves, within our own minds, our own spirits. And once we have an idea of what the problem is, then we can start focusing on those problems in prayer. And that, I think, will help break whatever the negative cycle is in your life. Wow. So... I liked how you talked about uh, particular cycles that we go through spiritually that are direct or directly from from God. Um, it, it brings me to think about uh, the story of Job. Uh, and I, I believe uh, Job uh, chapter 5 um where Job is saying, his hands maketh sore, and he bindeth up. Then it says, he woundeth, obviously this is still speaking of God, he woundeth, and his hands make whole. Right. You know, this is the same Job who, you know, God just let the devil have free reign in his life. Yes. And, and that's the thing, he, you know, it's, to us, it seems crazy that God would, quote unquote, hurt us in order to help us. But sometimes, you know, I, again, I'm, I'm no doctor, but I've heard, and I've never experienced this personally, but I've heard that there are times when if you have a, a hair fracture, hairline fracture, or if you have a, a, a break in your leg, you, you know, sometimes they have to actually break the leg completely in order to match it back. So it can heal correctly. And, you know, to, to the to the natural ear, that sounds crazy. Why would you why would you hurt me further? But if they don't do that, then the healing process will actually heal incorrectly. You know, there'll be some healing, but more than likely that your leg will still hurt because down the road it would have healed incorrectly. So yeah, sometimes God has to break us in order to make us, much like the potter. You know, when he sees that we're marred, uh, that we have some issues, uh, he doesn't throw us away. He throws us back down, he breaks us, so that he can put us all back together again and make us whole. It's crazy, but like I said, there's a method to the madness. Well, uh, <clears throat> you know, if God is our shepherd, uh, I, and I don't know how true this is. I, I haven't done research on it, but I've heard it, uh, that... 
when a shepherd loses one of its sheep, he finds the sheep that, you know, leaves the rest of the flock or doesn't necessarily come back. What he'll do is he'll pick up that sheep, break its legs, and then carry it over his shoulder. And then that sheep learns to hear the voice of God in the in those moments and he becomes more dialed in if you will to the yes. frequency of the shepherd's voice yes yes i've heard the same story uh the same analogy that in, in order to teach the because again that sheep you know and it's funny because you know sheep as as the bible calls us you know his sheep but sheep typically are are and i don't mean to be crude but they're dumb animals and i mean that in the sense that um for example they they'll eat the grass uh and oftentimes they won't even lift their heads they just eat and and walk and so, and so they may end up going the wrong direction without realizing it much like christians today much like us we we might you know have our heads down and, and we don't really realize notice where we're going and so He's eating the grass and he ends up somewhere where he shouldn't be. Uh, and of course, the wolf or the, or the lion or the bear might, might attack. And, and so, like you said, the, sh the shepherd will have to actually work on that particular sheep because they keep on going astray. As Jesus said, you know, the shepherd left the 99 to go find the one. And you're right. I've, I've heard, again, I'm, I've, I've never experienced, I've never seen it myself, never even done this, did the study, but I've heard it enough that, yeah, he will actually break his leg. Um, and that teaches the, she the, the, the sheep to, to stick with the shepherd. I don't want to go through that again. It's much like parenting. You know, I, I say this a lot at our church, that God is our father, and, and it's just like being a parent, that sometimes you have to discipline your child in whatever way you, you, you discipline them to keep them and to help them realize I shouldn't do this any longer, or I can't go that direction, or I can't do what I'm doing. Uh, if I do this, I'm going to get punished. But it's not out of a it's not out of a sense of of anger from the parent. It shouldn't be anyway, or or abuse. Hopefully not. It's more I love you enough to do what I have to do to get you back in line. You know, if if the if the person doesn't care, then they let their kids do whatever they want to do. But because God loves us so much, not only did he die on Calvary's cross for our sins, but he's willing to, much like Jesus Christ, because again, the scriptures say in Isaiah, you know, that, that, that uh, it, it pleased God, you know, for Jesus Christ to suffer uh, because of, of the, the, the purpose behind it. Yeah. And, and it's the same for us that, you know, we have to go through some things. Sometimes we're punished. Sometimes we're, we are hurt sometimes by God himself. Because there's a purpose behind it. It's to, it's to heal us and bring us back into the flock. You're absolutely right. So sometimes there, or well, uh, all times, there is a purpose behind the cycle. Yes. But the question is, is was that purpose something we did? Right. Or something God is trying to do? Right. And then at that point, it's discovering the next step necessary 
to get out of those cycles. Exactly. Now, to be honest with you, whether you got yourself into that problem or God led you into that problem, either way, you know, Romans 8.28 says all things work together. So he's going to freak God is he's a master manipulator in a, in a positive sense, of course. Uh, he's going to figure a way out to use whatever cycle you're in to your benefit if you let him. The, the issue is, unfortunately, a lot of us allow the, the cycle, the, 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 the pain and the hurt of our past to uh, give us a skewed view of our life. And, and so we allow it to, to have a negative or give us a negative perspective. But if we give it to the Lord, even if it was our own mistake, if we give it to the Lord, he will find a way to work it out for our good. Uh, Again, just like, you know, the children of Israel, uh, it was God's will for them to get delivered, for them to get freed from slavery. It was his his will for them to cross the Red Sea. It was not his will for them to doubt and be fearful, but he did use that experience to teach us 4,000 years later of what not to do. Yeah. And and God found a way uh, to use it for the benefit of the church and, and you know in, uh, on a whole. Yeah, on a on a larger spectrum. Yes. Um, you know when you and you talked about the wilderness experience sort of being a cycle, and it made me actually started getting me to think. You know the actual from from the moment that they crossed the Red Sea to uh, to Canaan. I, I mean, it's my understanding that that was a to walk that distance would have been oh goodness I I don't have some say, some say three days some say a week up to ten between three and ten days give or take some yeah say. yeah so a, a very short walk or distance if you will right that turned into 40 years yeah if they had learned what they should have learned when they saw god's hand working in egypt yeah (laughs) and it's crazy because the whole time they get to the red sea they say oh you should we should you should have just we got to go back. We got to go back to Israel. You should just let us die. Die in Egypt, and uh, you know we're we're gonna die here anyway. And and you brought us out here to to kill us, and then it's it's almost as if this same cycle repeats itself after they've crossed the Red Sea, yeah. and the whole Egyptian army is consumed by the Red Sea's waters. And they continue, and it's just like, oh, now we're going to die of hunger and, and, and thirst. And, and then so it's like God this whole time is showing them, basically, I've got your back. I'm going to take care of you. I've br- I didn't bring you here to kill you. I brought you here to make you stronger. Yes. And maybe so some of those cycles, at the end of the day, God wants us to be better Christians better husbands, fathers, and any women listening, better wives, better better sisters, better daughters, 
you know, and it's about being the best us that we can be right. in the body of Christ. Yeah. You know, as you were saying that, uh, I remember, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's in the book of Numbers, where uh, when Moses sent, you know, the, the ten spies to go spy out the land, um, and some of them came, most of them came back with a negative report. Essentially, the Bible says that God at that point said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cause you to walk and wander for 40 years. I think it was a year for each day. Uh, there was about a 40-day 40, 40 period of time uh, between, I guess, that they were in, that they, that they canvassed the land. Right. And so for each year or for each day, uh, there'll be a year of wandering. And so we really have it at that point where they had the opportunity to, you know, take over Canaan. Uh, uh, Joshua and Caleb were of the mindset that, you know, we can do this. God has gotten us this far, but the majority said no. And so it's funny that at that moment, well, not funny, but it's, 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 it's tragic that at that moment, that's when God says, well, since you don't believe what I can do, I'm going to cause you to walk around for 40 years. And throughout that whole process, we have, you know, those who were over 20 years old, eventually they all died. And those who were under 20, those are the ones who survived and made it, with the exception of Joshua and Caleb. Even Moses died before he got into the promised land. I believe Aaron died before he got into the promised land. Uh, so the only ones who survived of the original group was Joshua and Caleb. And again, God was making a point that if you if you doubt, and if you constantly doubt and consistently doubt, you're not going to survive this. But for those who were born in the wilderness, those who were born in trouble, those who were born in that environment, all they knew was, you know, living in a desert. And so I suspect for them, um, getting into a better situation was something they wanted to do because the older uh, Israelites had already come from Israel. So they knew what it was like in, quote, unquote, the world. They knew what it was like to have, you know, food given to them, to have a house to stay in. I mean, they, they lived in Goshen. They had homes. They had food. Yes, there were slaves, but there were, you know, I mean, and yes, they were beaten uh, after Moses came on the scene, but they had homes and they had food, you know. Those who were born in the desert during the wilderness didn't have that experience. So for them, the promised land was this, this, this promise of paradise, as opposed to what I'm doing right now, which is, you know, eating manna and eating quail and, <laughs> and right. trying to survive. Uh, so it's, it's amazing that depending on, you know, where you are in the cycle, you, you have a different perspective. Sometimes when all you have is trouble in your life, you can trust God more because you you want to get out of that. Whereas somebody who has experienced some comfort, you know, but now they're, God is asking you to transition from slavery to being free. Uh, that mindset is, is can be scary because now you're expected to do things for yourself. But those who were in the desert, they, they grew up learning how to pitch their own tents, how to, live for themselves. And so for them, the promised land was something that they really wanted, uh, regardless of what was going on around them. They didn't care about, about anything else. I want, I want this. 
And and it, I, I think it's, it's more than just looking at it as individual people, the, you know, the older Israelites as opposed to the younger Israelites. I, I really think it's, it's a mindset um, that we can use as, a, as an analogy, that the mindset is you have to get beyond the slave mentality mm. that says, you know, I, I'm accustomed to, and I, I, I've learned to become accustomed to, to uh, the enemy running my life. I've become accustomed to just eating whatever I'm handed, to, to living the life that I'm expected to live. And you have to get beyond that mentality to a place where you are frustrated and sick and tired of the desert experience, so much so that you're willing to do whatever it takes to get to the promised land. And it really is a transition so that that, that cycle break is, is, a, is, a, is a transition from one mindset to the next before you can really break free of what's been holding you back. Wow. Wow. Well, brother, this is this has been tremendous. Um, thank you so much for yes, sharing your heart and imparting your wisdom to, to apostolic theory. Um, somebody's going to be blessed by this episode, so thank you. Amen. This podcast is made possible because of listeners like you who are willing to bridge the gap. We now have a sponsorship program on our Anchor website in which you can become a monthly sponsor of $1, $5, or $10 a month. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook.